hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. While you're standing, I invite your attention this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'd like to read verses 10 through 15 in your hearing. If you will give me a few moments this morning, I know dinner awaits us in the fellowship hall and a wonderful time of fellowship, and we won't drag this thing out this morning, but I do have something I want to share with you before we go to dinner and spend some time together in fellowship. I want to welcome each of you this morning to High Point Church. What a privilege it is to have you here among us to worship with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. This morning I want to preach for a few minutes about a sure foundation for our times. A sure foundation for our times. Every structure, every building, everything that is built to last any length of time at all must have a good foundation. Without it, it will never stand. This building that we're in has been here the some 33, what, almost 34 years, somewhere along in there now, because it's got a good foundation. Not only from a building standpoint and a structural standpoint, but because it was founded on the bedrock of truth. Go like this. Amen. Paul writes, According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can any one lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed the fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for your wondrous presence and blessings that we have felt here thus far this morning. As we come to this portion of the service where we look into your word through the ministry and preaching of your word, I ask for your holy anointing, not only upon these lips and this mind, that I might become transparent before you in this congregation, that they might hear your voice and your voice only, but that each one will be anointed to receive and hear your word. And we'll ask it right now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. And you may be seated. A sure foundation for our times. Throughout the history of humanity, God has always provided a sure foundation for man to build their lives on. Even in Old Testament times, He provided a sure foundation. However, the choice to do so to build on this sure foundation is left to each individual. However, the church is built upon the rock Christ Jesus. You can't change that. I can't change that. No one can change that fact and that reality. 
Jesus told Matthew upon this rock, and that was the revelation that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he was the anointed one. He said, upon this rock or this bedrock of truth, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, declared, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Amen. There's two very interesting passages in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 19 and verse 22 that goes like this. There were no blacksmiths in the land of Israel in those days. The Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear they would make swords and spears for the Hebrews. So none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except for Saul and Jonathan. Hmm, think about that for a moment. I read that and looked at that. I read that again looked at that again. I read that again. Now to keep Israel in slavery, the Philistines removed all the blacksmiths. I'm going somewhere with this, so kind of stick with me. Probably wonder what does blacksmith have to do with the foundation? We'll, we'll get there. It was a devastating blow, to say the least, for this for this people, for this country. You see, blacksmiths made swords to be used in battle. Not only did they make swords, but they made sickles to be used in the harvest field. Can you just imagine the effect that that would have on a nation that depended on such things for their survival and for their livelihood? You see, Satan's tactics haven't changed all that much over the thousands of years since the Israelites were in bondage to the Philistines. Amen? His goal is still to silence the molders and the shapers of a new culture, which for the sake of this thought we will call the kingdom culture. He would like nothing better than to silence you and I. So I suppose someone may be wondering at this point, well, why do we need spiritual blacksmiths? What's that all about? That's kind of an unusual idea. Well, here's the thing. Someone might argue, I can read my Bible. Sure you can. I can, uh, I can have fellowship with God outside of the local church and outside of the local service. Sure you can. I can have fellowship outside, you know, which is all true, I might add. However, the spiritual blacksmith understands how to shape raw material into something God can use. Amen? They not only shape it, they sharpen it. You see, all great leaders, whether they're spiritual or whether they're social, have emerged from raw material. And tomorrow's leaders are walking around today in raw form just waiting for a spiritual blacksmith to come along and start working on them. Amen? The sad reality is this. Too many ministry leaders today are so busy running the show, and I emphasize running the show, they really don't have nor take the time to work with raw material. One of my obligations spiritually, ethically, morally, and in the sight of God is to equip the saints. Amen. 
this other folks have to have a sword besides me. Amen. And not only are blacksmiths needed in the local church, they're also needed in our nation to reshape our culture. I'm telling you, we need influencers who can reform the, rank, reform the ranks of business, education, government, and media. Amen. Christianity is under assault like it's never been under assault before. With all that being said, it's time for the spiritual blacksmiths of our day and in our land to break free from the constraints of the Philistines and return to the ancient craft of shaping men and women for God's service. Amen. I believe the Apostle Paul said it this way, and he said it so well. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen? You see, the battle is too big for Saul's and Jonathan's to handle alone. Your foundation for our day. The words of Jesus that are recorded in Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49, go like this. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? That's a pretty blunt and straightforward question. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Amen. But now listen, there's another side to that to that scenario. There's another side to that picture, if you will. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Amen. Not long after Jesus began his earthly ministry, he went to the top of a mountain where the multitudes had gathered, and he began to teach them what we have come to know as his infamous Sermon on the Mount. And he began by teaching what I call the outline to Christ-like behavior. We know them as the Beatitudes. He began with a summary and an outline, if you will, as to Christ-like behavior and what it meant to be Christ-like. Jesus then addressed each topic more specifically, moving from one topic to another, holding his audience spellbound with his power and his authority and his ability to teach in such a way. Jesus taught such topics as how, how we as believers are salt and light of the earth. He then taught on how all sin begins in the heart or the mind, if you will. He continues with adultery in the heart, how marriage is sacred and binding. Jesus forbids oath. Going to, he talked about going the second mile. If your brother compels you to go one mile, go with him too. 
Amen. He's talked about loving your enemies, which is a totally inconceivable concept of those folks of that day, and pretty much so today. Love your enemies. Bless them. Don't curse them. He said, do good to please God. Was another topic that he chose. Doing good, you do good, you do it to please God, not to please men. Amen? Jesus gave an outline for the model prayer. Fasting was to be seen only by the Lord himself and no one else. Wasn't for to do it for show. Oh, and then he talked about that laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves do not break through and steal. No wonder his audience was spellbound. He talked about the eye as the lamp of the body and how it controls so much. You, he talked about you cannot serve God in riches. Jesus gives instructions on not to worry. Oh, Lord, whatever happened to that? Gives instructions on not to worry. Don't worry about it. Consider the lilies. Amen. Then he talked about the pitfalls of judging someone else. He said, don't go there. It's not your job. It's not your responsibility to judge and determine who's who and who's what and who goes where. Amen? Amen. He talked about keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Go on, just keep on looking and asking and knocking and seeking, and you shall find what you're looking for. He talked about the narrow way. Then he talked about something real interesting. Talked about how we're going to know those who proclaim to be so-called propagators of truth. Prophets, he said, you'll know them by their fruits. Amen. Then Jesus dropped the bombshell on the audience by instructing them. Matthew 7 and 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my heaven, my Father in heaven. I want you to notice that then Jesus concludes his teaching there in the mountain setting by instructing his audience on the importance of building your house on the solid foundation. So I suppose someone may be wondering at this point, especially if you're unfamiliar with building construction, why a foundation is so important. Well, you see, the fact of the matter is storms are going to come. Amen? Jesus said you're going to have tribulation. Paul admonished and he warned time and time again that those times will come. And it's so important that we grasp the reality that storms are going to come. And regardless of who you are in your spiritual background, storms in life are going to happen. Amen. Issues and problems are going to appear that will shake your spiritual and natural house to the foundation. Jesus' teaching was simply this. If you don't build your house on a solid foundation, when the storms come and go, your house will crumble and fall. And its fall will be great. 
Amen. A sure foundation for our times. We live, we are living in, we are witnessing very uncertain times. Financially, socially, we are facing a time which is so uncertain. From a spiritual perspective, the Apostle Paul standing before the Ephesian church elders, knowing that his race was soon coming to an end, he cautioned them this manner, as is recorded in Acts chapter 20, verses 27 through 31. Paul said, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. He's got all the elders out there from the church at Ephesus, and he's... He knows that when he goes to Jerusalem, off to Rome he's going to go. He knows this. He knows that his time is rapidly coming to an end. So he brings these elders together and he gives them some final instructions and some things. Look, first of all, he said, I'm not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. I didn't leave anything out. I didn't water anything down. I didn't dilute anything. I didn't try to make it look appealing or good. I just told you the way it was. Amen? He said, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Now, notice what he says. He said, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come. In among you, not sparing the flock, also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And just as Paul was so concerned of that mindset and that spirit permeating the church of that day, we see it going on today as so rampant within the religious community of our day. Amen. It's so rampant within our religious community today. How many of you remember the California mudslides? Not too awful long ago. Big, beautiful, multi-million dollar homes up on nice mountainsides. Just come sliding down the hill. One after another. Nothing you could do to stop them. Nothing you could do to prop them up. Nothing you could do to just... So much rain, so much whatever, just finally, the earth just slid off the rock. You see, when the foundation crumbles, even the most expensive house will fall. All of the beautiful structure in the world will be meaningless if it's not established on a good foundation. A foundation that will stand the shaking. A foundation that will stand the wind. A foundation that's dug in so deep on the bedrock of truth that when the mud begins to slide, it'll still remain there. Amen? Even those multi-million dollar homes cannot withstand down the hill they came. Can you imagine what those homeowners, the whore, that must have going through their thought process as they watched on television cameras as their big, beautiful mansion comes sliding down the hill. They're broken pieces. Their life's investment, their life's earnings, their life savings for many of them, 
we need to thank God for our spiritual foundations. Amen? We live in a very troubled times, and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I'm just telling you, preacher, you sound awful negative. No, I'm just as positive about that as I can be. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Amen. It's in the Bible. Let me tell you this. Today in this culture we live, there's a lot of flaky stuff being peddled in the name of truth. Think about that for a moment. I surf through some of those things sometimes, and I want to bang my head on the wall. Where in the world are they getting that stuff? Where did they find I've read, I've, I've studied this book. I've spent years in this book. And I've not found some of the things I've heard propagated as truth. And there's a lot of flaky stuff being peddled in the name of truth. However, when you examine it closely, listen to me now. When you examine it closely, it's simply a teaspoon of truth in an ocean of air. It's just a teaspoon of truth. They take a little passage out from here and they take and they build something around it that is irrelevant to truth whatsoever. Amen? Anytime someone takes Scripture out of context, you end up with a pretext or, if you will, a reason for doing as you please. Everybody's looking for justification for what they're doing. So they go and they search through here and they find a scripture and they say, ooh. Now, it don't work too good in the setting it's in, so I'll pull that out of that setting in that context. Whew, that makes me feel pretty good about myself. Amen. Now, I know some of you are probably asking right now, what, what are you going to do? I mean, what's going on? I mean, it's the way it is in our day. No, first and foremost, I would admonish everyone under the sound of my voice to do as the Bereans did. During the Apostle Paul's day of ministry there with the Bereans. Here's what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 and verse 11. Paul, he got preached to the Bereans. He said, all right, well, like that. Sounds good. But the Bereans, they received the word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily. They searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. I'm still talking about a sure foundation. If they were going to commit to something, they were going to make sure that Paul was telling them what the Scripture said. And the Scriptures validated his message. Amen? I want you to go home and check out and see if what I'm telling you, if the Scripture validates it. Now, whose teachings here were the Bereans putting under the searchlight a microscope of the Scripture? Why, none other than the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest apostolic leaders that ever dawned. No leader, regardless of the size of their following, is beyond such scrutiny. Everybody say amen. I don't care who they are. What doctorate they have tacked behind their name. They're not beyond scrutiny. In fact, Jesus even told his followers one day, they were questioning his authority. They were questioning his, you know, you, what do you, you got the, you, who do you think you are? You're just the carpenter. You're the, actually, you're just the carpenter's son. He said, look, he said, you, search the Scriptures. Get the scrolls out and search them. For in them you think you have eternal life. 
He said, and these are they which testify of me. He told him, search them. Get in there and look for it. You see, godly leaders will welcome such scrutiny. Anytime someone claims special revelation from God that doesn't line up with the Scripture, run the opposite direction. I'm telling you now, run the opposite direction. If it cannot be supported by the Word of God, you need to leave it alone. I know someone is no doubt thinking about now, Pastor, and that certainly sounds mighty harsh. Well, so is surgery. But it'll save your life if it's needed. Amen? Does the Word of God have more to say to us? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you take your last breath, you still won't know it all. Amen. I am, I've been studying this book for 35 years, a little bit more than now. I'm going to give away the time here, but for a long time, and I learned something new all the time that I didn't see the time before. Does God have better strategies for, strategies for reaching others with His Word? Absolutely. Absolutely. The strategy of 30 years ago won't work today. The strategy of 50 years ago when my grandmother told stories of the Brush Harbor days and how they would have revival and everyone would come from miles around just for the Brush Harbor day. Go ahead, build a Brush Harbor out here and see what kind of attendance you get. But the same Word of God that was real in Brush Harbor days is the same Word of God that's real and a sure foundation today. Amen. You see, we must embrace them if we're to reap the final harvest before the Lord of Harvest returns. I believe there's going to be revival in these last days. Amen. However, Never at the cost of God's eternal, unchanging Word. We can change our approach. We can change our attitude. We can change a lot of things, and we can maneuver things around to have a more appealing approach to folks, but we cannot change the Word. And that's the message Paul was proclaiming. In Galatians 1 and 8, he told the church at Galatia, if, even if we... Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. In other words, boom out the door. Kick him to the curb. The Apostle Paul, in his final letter of instruction to his young pastor, I'm almost done. His young pastor, friend, and son in the faith, Timothy. He warned Timothy of many things. He had a grave concern. Timothy was a young pastor. And he knew he could foresee some things in the spirit that Timothy was going to have to endure and handle as a pastor that was going to be tough. He said, Timothy, in the last days, son, perilous times are going to come. And he went on to instruct him on some things there. He said, men's going to be lovers of their own selves. He said, it's just going to be horrendous. He wrote two letters to Timothy in his second letter. He writes to Timothy and he 
tells Timothy about the disaster that happened with Hymenaeus and Philetus, how that they had erred from the truth. Knowing that this was going to shake Timothy, knowing that it was going to bother Timothy, because not only did Hymenaeus and Philetus fall from the truth by preaching that the resurrection had passed already, but they influenced the lives of so many to fall with them. Oftentimes it doesn't take much for people to stray away. It begins that snowball effect until not only are they involved, but they have drugged many others and pulled them away from the faith. He said, he told Timothy, he said, look, son, shun profane and idle babblings. Stick to the truth. This is my words now. Nothing but the truth. Don't get into all this psycho babble and philosophical ideas and all of this conflab. Don't. He said, shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. He said, and their message will spread like a can cancer. Hymenaeus and, Philet and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has passed already and have overthrown the faith of some. He knew this would jar Timothy to the very core of his being. So what's he say to him next? Nevertheless, regardless of what's happened with Hymenaeus and Philetus and those who followed after him, the, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Friend, we have a sure foundation for the times in which we live. Regardless of what those, what they're propagating out there, this foundation of God remains sure and intact. And when we build upon the foundation and the premise of God's truth, when the storms come and shake our house, it will stand. Amen. I close with this. The Bible, which we understand is God's inspired word. How many believe that this morning? That the Bible is God's inspired word. Is the only conclusive source of wisdom. It's the only conclusive source of knowledge, and it's the only conclusive source of understanding concerning the ultimate realities of life. It is a fountainhead of freeing truth. This right here. This is a fountainhead of freeing truth. And it's a gold mine of practical principles. Amen? Waiting to liberate and or enrich the person who will pursue its truth and wealth. Oh, I like that. Therefore, Paul's instructions to be diligent. A worker has been applied by serious Christians throughout the centuries as a directive to study the Word of God. Paul instructed him to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you this. The only way to healthy, balanced living is through rightly dividing 
the Word, which means cutting straight. Literally cutting straight of God's Word. Such correct straight-on application of God's Word is the result of diligent study. Take what we say in these adult Bible classes, in these preachings, and go home. Search it out. That pastor sure sounded good this morning. Ever go? But check him out when you get to check. I'm going to check him out when I get home. You won't offend me. If you offend any of these other guys, let me know. I'll talk to them. <laughs> but I know. <laughs> I know good well you wouldn't offend these guys. Check it out. I have nothing to hide. There it is.